Ayah number 38. فَآتِ ذَا الْقُرْبَ حَقَّهُ وَالْمِسْكِينَ وَبْنَ السَّبِيلِ So give to the relative his right as well as the needy and the traveler. Meaning whatever obligations you have towards others, whatever obligations, whatever responsibilities Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed on your shoulders towards others, then what should you do? You should fulfill them. Why? Even if you get nothing in return, yes, still. Why? Because it is Allah who has obligated you with these responsibilities. ذَلِكَ خَيْرٌ That is best. Meaning in every situation, it will be best. What will be best? Giving to those who deserve their rights. So this will always be best. But for who? لِلَّذِينَ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ For those who desire Allah's face. Meaning in every situation. Because the thing is that when you give somebody their right, then what do you expect in return? That you are also given your right. Right? That if you are being good to somebody, you should be treated well in return. Or at least there should be recognition, there should be acceptance, there should be acknowledgement, there should be some reciprocation. Right? But what happens is that in situations where we don't receive from the other, we're only giving, then we feel like we are suffering or we are harming ourselves by constantly giving. Right? But the thing is that when you're giving, you're fulfilling your part, you're fulfilling your responsibility. As long as you're fulfilling your responsibility, it will be best for you. But it will be best for you only when you desire Allah's face. When your ultimate goal is Allah's pleasure. Your ultimate goal is to see Allah. That when you face Him, He faces you. When you meet Him, He also loves you. When you're pleased with Him, He is also pleased with you. Then in that case, every sacrifice, every action, every suffering, every hardship will be best for you. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And it is those who are the successful. Meaning if a person is going through this life, seeking something else, seeking something other than Allah's face, seeking something other than Allah's pleasure, then that person can never be successful. Who is ultimately successful? The one who is given the privilege of seeing the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in our previous lesson, we went through several deeds which we can do in order to receive this privilege. Right? Did you think about it? Did you think about it? That for example, when praying salah, did you think that through the salah, I want to, my goal is to see Allah. My goal is ibtigha'a wajhillah. Did you think about that? No? Okay. When is that time, when is that moment when you really reflected on this? From yesterday till today. Go ahead. Okay, when making dua, what else? Yes? Okay, so when you are first getting up in order to do something, you know, when you have this feeling of, okay, I have to do this now. Because you see, responsibility, it makes you feel burdened. Isn't it? Even if it's when you have to pray, this realization that, okay, I have to get up and do something, it feels burdensome. But when you think about the goal, when you think about the objective, then it makes it easier. It kind of makes it exciting. Yes. House chores. House chores. Okay, good. Yuriduna wajhallah. 
right? Because you see, sometimes, especially when you're dealing with people, it can get very difficult, right? Like for example, just between husband and wife also. Why should I bother? You know, I want my own space. I want my own life. I want my own schedule, right? I want to do whatever I want. But then you're not the only one living, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a bond between you and others. And there are rights and responsibilities. So fulfilling them, not necessarily to get something in return, but fulfilling them to get a privilege from who? Allah. Yuriduna wajhallah. Then this is something that brings success to a person. Then in the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wama and whatever ataytum you gave min from riban interest. Meaning whatever interest that you give, whatever interest you pay. What is riba? Riba, we did this very early on, right? In Surah Al-Baqarah, Raba wal. Alright? Rabba yarbu literally is to swell up, to grow, to increase. Alright? From the same root is the word rabwa, which is used for a high land. Alright? And from this, the term riba is used for interest. Why is the word riba used for that? Because riba is basically surplus extra wealth that has grown on top of the original amount. Right? A certain amount of money was lent to somebody. And then in return, the lender didn't just receive the principal, he didn't just receive the original amount, but he received a certain percentage on top of it. Alright? So the extra percentage on top of it, whether it's 5%, 10%, 1%, 0.5%, whatever it is, a little or a lot, what is that? Riba. Alright? And remember the definition of the word riba, كُلُّ قَرْضٍ جَرَّ نَفْعًا فَهُوَ riban. Every loan that brings a benefit, then what is it? Riba. Alright? Now remember that riba is not necessarily received in the form of money. Okay? So for example, if a person has lent 50,000 cash, and then he receives 55,000 cash in return, so 5,000 would be riba. Alright? But it's not always in the form of money, it's not always in the form of cash. Alright? It can also be in the form of some other favor. Which is why we learned that Imam Abu Hanifa, he even disliked or that a person should sit in the shade of the wall of a house or a building that belongs to somebody whom you have lent your money to. You understand? That if, for example, I have given you a thousand dollars as loan, okay, then I should expect only a thousand back from you. I should not expect that every time I'm passing by your house, I can sit by your house in the shade of your wall because, you know, you owe it to me. You understand? So even expecting these kind of favors in return, that could also be riba. You understand? So expecting favors, taking favors, because you have given somebody a loan, you have done something for someone, expecting favors in return, this is also a form of riba. Anyway, over here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا and whatever أَتَيْتُمْ you give min riban of riba. Meaning whatever interest you give, why would you give interest? لِيَرُبُّوَ So that it may grow. So that it may increase. يَرُبُّوَ Over here in its literal sense, رَبَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَوَ
meaning that interest is going to grow the wealth of a certain individual. This is the whole reason why interest is given and taken, right? Why? It's a means of obtaining profit. It's a means of growing your money. So for example, if a person has $10,000 sitting, they'll be like, let me just invest it. Let me just give it to somebody as a loan. Let me just deposit it in the bank. And then every month I'm receiving interest on top of it. Right? And that interest, what is it apparently doing? It is يَرْبُوَ fi amwalin nas. It is growing the money. It is growing the wealth. So by the end of five years, it's not going to be 10,000, it's going to be 15,000 for example. Right? So whatever you give in order to increase the wealth of people, Allah says, فَلَا So not. يَرْبُوَ It increases. عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Near Allah. This does not actually increase in the sight of Allah. Why? Because riba, any money in which there is riba, remember that money is void of barakah. Because Allah Himself says that يَمْحَقُ اللَّهُ riba. Allah destroys riba. Meaning any money that has even a fraction of riba in it, that money is going to be destroyed. Just imagine. Because Dealing with riba is basically going on war with who? Allah and His Messenger. So if a person is going at war with Allah and His Messenger, you think his property is safe, his money is safe? It's not safe. It's going to be destroyed. فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ It does not grow in the sight of Allah. And basically what this means is that there is no reward for it. There is no blessing in it. There is no security, no safety for that wealth. There is no actual growth in that money. Alright? But, وَمَا آتَيْتُمْ Whatever you give, مِنْ زَكَاتٍ of zakat. And what is zakat? That if you have money sitting for a while, then you take a fraction of it and you give it to who? Those who are needy. Those who are deserving of it. You don't keep everything to yourself. You give some of what you have to others. So whatever zakat you give, and why would you give it? Turiduna wajhallah. Again a reminder. Even if you're fulfilling your obligations, you do it seeking Allah's face. فَأُولَٰئِكَ Then those whom they are al-mud'ifun, those who are multipliers. Mud'ifun is a plural of mud'if. And mud'if, from ad'af to multiply. Alright? So those who are multiplying, they're not just gradually growing, increasing their money, they're actually multiplying their money. How is it that they're multiplying their money? Because when a person gives something for the sake of Allah, then its example is like that of a grain. Isn't it? Habba. Kamathali habba. And that grain, what's gonna happen to it? It's gonna grow, right? Seven years. And in each, there's going to be a hundred. So one leads to seven hundred, right? And now if you have seven hundred grains, how much more profits do you think you're gonna make? Right? So, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ mudrifun. Then they have truly invested their money and they have truly multiplied their money, their property, their wealth. Such people are truly successful. Now, if you think about it, riba, what is riba? Riba is that you're taking from those who are needy. Because why would somebody borrow a loan in the first place? Why would somebody take a loan in the first place? Because he's needy. 
Riba is that you're taking money from the needy. And zakat is the opposite of that. What is zakat? That you give of your money to the needy. Right? And who is better? The giving one. Right? The upper hand is better than the lower hand. So the one who gives, seeking Allah's face, then such people are going to multiply their wealth, they're going to multiply their rewards. Now this particular ayah, remember that this was the first ayah revealed about the prohibition of riba. Because remember Surah Al-Rum is a Makki Surah, right? And eventually riba was something forbidden in Medina. Alright? And there were many things such as even alcohol, the consumption of which was initially, you could say it was discouraged and then eventually forbidden. So just like that, riba was initially discouraged and then forbidden. So this was the first ayah revealed about riba. And what does it show to us? The reality of riba. Alright? That it doesn't actually grow your money. What does it do? It reduces your money. Alright? Now this ayah can be interpreted in many different ways. I just gave you a general explanation over here and now I'm going to go into the detail of it. Okay? Firstly, مَا آتَيْتُمْ مِنْ riba, Whatever you give riba, Meaning you pay interest. You know many people say, taking interest is haram, giving interest, no problem. Have you heard this? It's very common amongst Muslims. Right? That in Surah Al-Baqarah, who is condemned? الَّذِينَ يَأْكُلُونَ riba. Those who eat riba, meaning those who take riba. What does this ayah say? وَمَا آتَيْتُمْ مِنْ riba. Whatever you give of riba. Meaning whatever you pay as interest. Alright? So whatever you pay as interest, meaning taking a loan on riba and then paying off that loan with riba, what does Allah say? It doesn't increase the wealth of people. This kind of loan will neither increase your money, nor will it increase the money of the one whom you're paying riba to. So the people who have made this contract of riba, neither of them is truly profiting. Both of them are actually harming each other. Both of them. Generally, why is such a loan taken? If you think about it, what is the thinking behind it? To grow one's wealth. Right? Like for example, a person thinks, well, you know what? I'm paying rent every month. I might as well buy a house, right? With the money that I don't have. And then I'll be paying interest for the rest of my life. And then finally, when I'm, when I'm really old, then I'll own a house that I cannot really enjoy. Right? So this is what? You're taking something in order to grow your wealth. You're taking riba in order to grow your wealth. What does Allah say? It doesn't actually grow. Because the thing is that whatever wealth is written for you, it's gonna come for, it's going to come to you. It will. Because, you know what? Before we were created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He decreed the risk, the provision of every single individual. In fact, before the skies and the earth, before humanity was created, before the creation was created, the first thing Allah created was what? The pen. And Allah instructed the pen to write everything that was to happen. And part of that was what I am going to eat, what you're going to eat, what I am going to own, what you're going to own. So something that is written for us, remember it's going to come to us. Acquiring it through unlawful means, 
This is something that's not going to grow our wealth. It's just going to reduce our rewards. It's only going to destroy our deeds. So the first interpretation is that paying interest, giving interest, it doesn't increase one's wealth. Neither yours nor the person whom you're giving the interest to. This loan will be a burden. It's not a blessing. This money, this property will be a burden. It will not be a blessing. Because Allah says, فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ It does not grow in the sight of Allah. You know, just think about it. If Allah does not recognize it, if Allah does not accept it, then does it matter? You know, like for example, if two people get married, all right, and their own family does not accept that marriage, what kind of marriage is that? I mean, fine, you're kind of happy, but... You're living with this constant burden, isn't it? Because it's not recognized. People are not willing to accept it. So just like that, imagine, we buy a house, we buy something, we buy furniture, because these days it's you don't have to buy a house on riba. You can even buy furniture and TV and whatnot on riba. Right? Everything you can buy on riba. So imagine we buy it, and somebody's not happy with it. How would you feel? Has it ever happened that you get something new, you put it on and somebody says, I don't like it. They say it on your face, I don't like it. What does it feel like? Good or bad? Really bad. Right? And if it's a person who, who doesn't really matter, then you're like, whatever. Right? You don't like it too bad for you. But if it's someone who's important to you, or someone who really matters to you, then they're response is really important to you, right? So imagine, if we try to grow our wealth in this way, Allah says, فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ It does not grow in the sight of Allah. Allah does not accept this. He does not bless this. You know, earlier we learned that when you are fulfilling your obligations, even when you spend, right? On something that is mandatory on you to spend, but you do it, for the sake of Allah, then you are rewarded for it. And the example was that, that the morsel of food that a person puts in, in his wife's mouth. Right? Meaning he's bringing food to his house, providing his family with food, and even for that he's rewarded. Imagine, a person is buying a house or buying something for hundreds of dollars, but that has riba in it. Alright? And as a result, for that hundreds of dollars, for that thousands of dollars, there is no reward. There is no stamp of approval from Allah. There is no acceptance of that spending near Allah. So all those savings for years, you know that $100,000 savings, $150,000 saving, $50,000 saving, $20,000 saving, imagine all that money that you've been saving for all those years, and then you put it with riba, it's rejected by Allah. It's rejected. It's not given reward. فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ what a bad, poor transaction this is. Secondly, وَمَا آتَيْتُمْ مِنْ ربن, Whatever you give of riba, meaning whatever loan you give on riba. Okay? So this is not paying the riba, but giving a loan to someone and in return taking riba from them. Why would a person do that? In order to grow someone's wealth. Right? Fine, you can take this loan from me, but just give me riba in return. Then, فَلَا يَرْبُوا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ 
this is not a kind act, this is not a good act in the sight of Allah, this is not an act of kindness, this is not something that will be rewarded by Allah. What is this? Destroying one's own wealth and the wealth of the needy as well. This is destroying one owns wealth and the wealth of the other person also. Because which kind of charity does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept? That which is halal. Right? The Prophet ﷺ said, No person gives in charity the equivalent of a date which was earned in a lawful manner, except that Ar-Rahman takes it in his right hand and takes care of it for its owner, just as any one of you takes care of his foal or young camel until the date becomes the size of Mount Uhud. This is growth, right? This is something that grows in the sight of Allah. So when is wealth blessed? When zakat is given, when charity is given. Riba doesn't increase wealth. Zakat increases wealth. What does riba do? It decreases one's wealth. It destroys one's wealth. This is why in Surah Al-Hadid, Ayah 11, Allah says, مَن ذَا الَّذِي يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا فَيُضَاعِفَهُ لَهُ وَلَهُ أَجْرٌ كَرِيمٌ Who is it that would loan Allah a good loan? So Allah will multiply it for him and will give him a noble reward. Another interpretation of this ayah, the third one is, that وَمَا آتَيْتُم مِّن ربن, Whatever you give as riba. And over here riba means favor. Extra meaning favor. Extra wealth on top meaning favor. So you give a gift to somebody. Riba would be understood as what? A favor. Right? So you give a gift to someone. Why? لِيَرْبُوَ فِي أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ So that it increases through the wealth of people. In other words, you are giving a gift in order to expect more in return. You understand? You're giving a gift expecting more in return from others. You see, the Prophet ﷺ told us, تَهَادُّ تَحَابُّ Right? Give gifts and increase love. Gift giving is something that's very good. Right? It's a part of life. It's a part of especially the lives of people who are generous, who are loving. Right? They love to give, they love to receive. This is something perfectly fine. We see this in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. He gave gifts and he received gifts. But when we are giving a gift to someone, hmm, what should be our intention? So that you can get a better gift in return? You understand? Because sadly, this is something that happens very frequently. Right? That for instance, when it comes to somebody's wedding, right? Somebody's wedding, then which gift is given? What kind of gift is given? Something similar to or more than what they gave to you on your wedding. Right? Or what they gave to you, to your son on his wedding. Alright? And then when you will give them, then what happens? When your next child gets married or when somebody else gets married in your family, then you're expecting, I gave a gift to them. How come they never gave a gift to us? You understand? Giving gifts as bribes or as investments in a way or as you know, doing a favor to somebody. Hey, I just came back from hajj. Let me give you a gift so that when you go, you go for hajj, you also bring me a gift. I just came back from back home and I'm bringing you a gift. You know, half a suitcase full. So when you return, you better bring me a full suitcase. Go ahead. In a way. Right? That you're giving a little bit in order to, in order to get more in return.
Yes, yes. That many times it happens that receiving gifts becomes burdensome, heavy. Right? Don't receive gifts because then you'll be expected to give something in return. Right? Or if somebody has given a gift, make a note of it. Make a note of it. Why make a note of it? So that the next time you have to give a gift to them, you know, you give them something of equal or more amount. Assalamu alaikum. I know this person who, um, self-sufficiency is a very good thing, but they just like, they don't want to ask for help whatsoever. And once when I asked like, why is that the case? They said that if someone like helps me with something and then later on they ask me for help and I'm genuinely not able to do it, it's going to be received as something wrong. And I just want to avoid that altogether. Yeah. The thing is that we should realize that our provision is not entirely in our hands. If I can afford to give a big gift to somebody, Alhamdulillah. And if I can afford to give a small gift to somebody, again, Alhamdulillah. Right? Why is it that we have been encouraged to give even half a date? Why? Why is it that women especially were instructed that do not look down on any act of kindness, even if it's the hoops of an animal that has been slaughtered, right? If that is the bone or that is the piece of meat that you can give or that you can receive... No big deal. We have kept these, you know, standards that when it comes to, for example, marriage, it has to be minimum this amount of cash. When it comes to birth, aqiqah, then it has to be minimum this much amount. When it comes to this occasion, then this gift. When it comes to that occasion, then that kind of gift. No. Look at what you can afford to give. If you can give more, go ahead. And if you have to give less, that is also fine. I just wanted to give the example of um, a, a similar situation in my country. The only thing is they don't give, you just mentioned that, the cash. So it's more of competition with money. It's, it has nothing to do with gifts. People don't even give gifts anymore, but they keep track. It's really serious. Yeah. They have books and families keep them and they compete with each other. It's unreal. Yeah, it's, it's really sad actually. I remember when I got married, somebody told me, make a list of the gifts that you have received. And my mom was standing there. She's like, why? And why? And then she was told that because, uh, you know, you have to give gifts in return. She's like, well, that should not depend on if I have received a gift from this person or not. That's irrelevant. You understand? My gift giving to someone does not depend on my receiving gifts from them. You understand? There is no connection over here. What they gave... Good for them. Alhamdulillah, I enjoyed it. I'm really happy. I love them. I thank them. And now when it comes time for me to give, then I give what I can give. You understand? Because then what happens is that we don't give anything in return. Why? Because, oh, they gave me something so expensive, I can't afford it. So you know what? It's better I don't give them anything. It's better I don't even take their phone call because there's such a huge difference between me and them. I can never match their ihsan. Well, that's fine. I notice sometimes people they give gifts and the price is written on it. And I'm so embarrassed when I see that. Like, why, why would they write the price? I mean, I mean if it happens by accident, that's a different thing. Right? Sometimes you don't even know the price tag is there. But um, if you can, you should take it off. Right? So, remember the objective of giving gifts is what? Tahaddu. Why? Why? Tahabu. To grow in love. 
And what we have done with our gift giving and gift receiving culture is give gifts and burden each other and dislike each other. Right? These things we have to teach the kids since they are small. You know how the kids sometimes I give you today the candy, tomorrow you have to give me two candy, three candy. That's like riba too. Yes. So we have to be careful. No, that is very true. That because I gave you one, now you have to give me two. One in to be equal to what I gave to you, and second, for my favor to you. Right? In Surah Al-Muddathir, Ayah 6, Allah says, وَلَا تَمْنُنْ تَسْتَكْثِرْ This was one of the first ayat revealed to Rasulullah wasallam. That do not do man, do not do favor on someone in order to have kathra, in order to increase what you have. No. Because sometimes it's not even a monetary gift. It's something like, okay, let me help you with this test. Let me give you a ride. Let me teach you something. Let me cook something for you. You know, we do these kind of favors to others and then we start expecting something in return. Don't do that. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 264, Allah says, يَا آمَنُوا لَا تُبْطِلُوا صَدَقَاتِكُمْ بِالْمَنِّ وَالْأَذَىٰ All you who have believed, do not invalidate your charities with reminders or injury. Nowadays, the, it became conditioned about the gifts. Like somebody will invite you a gathering, and instead of going the gathering and enjoying and seeing the family, they will be conditioned because they will say you have to bring this and this, like two hundred dollar. If you cannot afford, sometimes it makes you not to go because you feel embarrassed, and that is something is not like good as a gathering. Exactly. I mean, it's something that doesn't increase people in love. It tears them apart. Right? So any kind of favor should not be expected in return, whether it's monetary or otherwise. Allahu Ladi, Allah is the one who Khalaqakum, He created you. Summa Razaqakum, then He provided you. Summa Yumitukum, then He will give you death. Summa Yuhikum, then He will give you life. It is Allah alone who is doing this. He created you. Gave you what you need. You're not staying here forever. You will die. And then that is not your termination. Rather, you will be brought back to life. Hal is min shuraka'ikum from among your partners. Meaning those whom you worship besides Allah. Those whom you associate with Allah. From among them, is there any man who yaf'alu, he does, min thalikum from that, min shay'in of anything? Is there any other being out there that you associate with Allah that is capable of this, that is capable of giving life, that is capable of giving death, that is capable of bringing back to life? Can they do that? No, they cannot. If anyone had the power to give life to the dead, right? then what would happen? Certainly, the dead would be brought back to life then. Because man is most greedy for what? For life. Right? Which is why people who love you know, their family or whoever, if they die, they will have their certain organs, like for example their brain, right? Frozen. Why? So that if ever in the future, there is a chance of bringing the dead to life. Seriously, I'm not making this up. Go read on BBC. I'm not kidding. Honestly, what? You're looking at me as if I'm making it up. Not making it up. 
Okay? There are certain ways of preserving the brain. There are. And it has to be done within a few hours of the death of the person. And it has to be you know, put in certain liquids and then stored in a certain way so that eventually, if ever, in the future, there is a way you know, of reversing death, they would do it. Go ahead. I saw this thing once where um, they put a frog, I think, in this liquid ice thing, and then they preserved it, and then they like unfroze it, and it came back to life. And so, because they could bring a frog back to life, uh, an entire family, like, they did that procedure, and now they're just like frozen, kept somewhere, and waiting to be unfrozen. <laughs> so this is what people want, right? This just shows to us how greedy we are for life. Isn't it? And the fact that no one has been able to do it yet, what does it show? You can't do it. No matter how much more you can you know, advance in your science and your technology, you cannot do this. The only person who was able to do this was who? Isa alayhi salam. Right? He was given the mu'jizah. Go ahead. Uh, what's fascinating about the frog is that that's actually a natural process. So again, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's created something like that. We've been trying to copy it, but clearly we can't because it's just something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala built into the frog. Exactly. Right? Yes. developed lungs as well. Some scientists, they want to do clone, you know, the Einstein also because they have a DNA. But because of um, ethical and morally, you know, they are not doing it. And for Stephen Hawking also planning to go for, you know, they, kept, they are keeping the DNA for him also. Yeah. So, anyway, all of this shows the greed for life. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us, هَلْ مِنْ شُرَكَائِكُمْ You know, all these beings that you're crazy about, that you love, that you adore, so much so that you associate them with Allah. Can they do that? Can they do any of this? مِنْ ذَلِكُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Anything? Subhanahu, exalted is he, wa ta'ala, and high above, amma yushrikun, that which they associate with him. Meaning anything that people could possibly associate with Allah, then Allah is definitely higher. Allah is definitely greater. Allah is definitely more perfect, more able, more grand. Because after all, he is the khaliq, he alone is the khaliq, and everyone is his Makhluk, his creation. Let's listen to the recitation. وَمَا آتَيْتُم مِّن رِبًا لِيَرْبُوَ فِي أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ فَلَا يَرْبُوَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَمَا آتَيْتُم مِّن زَكَاةٍ Subhanakallahumma bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh